Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us, you know that Jesus is at the peak of power and popularity in his Galilean ministry. Large numbers of people are following him because of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And again, they're following for free food. They didn't believe. (laughs) It's true. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah. They didn't believe that he was God in the flesh. They weren't yet convinced that he was the son of a living God. They were following him because he could give them a free lunch. Now, after Jesus performed this miracle, he begins to talk to them and to give them this beautiful discourse on the bread of life. He told them, look at verse 33. He told them that he came down from heaven. Verse 33, 35, 38. He begins to share with them about true fellowship with him. Look at verse 51. He told them that they must eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. And that turned them off. They couldn't handle his words. They loved the work of Jesus, but not the words of Jesus. Did you get that? They loved the work of Jesus, but not the words of Jesus. And so Jesus moves from demonstration to declaration. It's at this point, things begin to change and shift. And the resistance to his word is growing. And when Jesus stopped doing works and started to speak his word, many began to turn their backs on him. There's a defection of disciples. This mass exodus of disciples is all because of his word. Got a pen? Four points, four reactions to his word we're going to talk about today. This is our sermon outline. Number one, the words of offense. We'll talk about that in verses 60 through 61. And then secondly, we'll talk about the words of spirit or the words of the spirit in verse 62 through 65. And then thirdly, we'll talk about the words of confession, verse 66 through 69. And then finally, we'll talk about the words of sovereignty in verses 70 through 71. Words of offense, words of the spirit, Y'all come on and read with me. Four points, reactions to his words. Come on, read it with me. Point number one, words of offense. Point number two, everybody read with me. Words of the Spirit. Point number three, words of confession. And finally, words of sovereignty. I've titled this sermon, Words of Spirit and Life. John chapter 6, saints, we pick up in verse 60. If you're looking at verse 60, say I'm looking at it. Therefore, many of his disciples 
when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? And when Jesus in himself knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. Note this, saints. It is the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh profits a little. Ah. The words that I speak to you are what? Spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you, Jesus said, who do not believe. But Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Underline that. You have the words of life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of a living God. And Jesus answered and said to them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you was a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Point number one, saying, stop right there, words of offense. Now, Calvary Chapel, help me out. When you see the word therefore, you want to find out what it's? Right. And the word therefore is referring back to what Jesus has talked about in the previous chapters or in the previous verses. Uh, show of hands, were you with me in chapter 6? Show of hands. Okay, good. Then you know what he's talked about in the previous verse. Jesus is talking about not, not laboring for the food that perishes. Jesus said, I am the living bread not like the manna in the wilderness. Jesus said, I am the true bread from heaven. I'm the living bread in verse 51. And then in verse 54, Jesus began to talk about, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, in verse 54. I'll drink my blood, you have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Then in verse 60, when they heard this, this, they said, this is a hard saying. Now, when the Bible talks about disciples, notice verse 60 says there were many of his disciples. When the Bible talks about disciples, it's not always talking about the 12 disciples. The word disciple, got a pen? The word disciple means learner. The word disciple means student. The word disciple means follower. So during Jesus earthly ministry, he had thousands of disciples, thousands of followers. You could look at it like those who followed him around. The disciples in the text refers to the multitude of followers. So the verse could read, when the multitude of followers heard this, they said, man, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Now the word hard, got a pen? It doesn't mean hard to understand. The word hard is the Greek word skleros, S-K-L-E-R-O-S, skleros. Skleros means withered, dried out, stiff, rough, harsh. The problem isn't what he's saying is too hard to understand. 
They're not saying it's not registering in our brain. They're saying, Jesus, your words are so disturbing, we can't wrap our minds around it. They're saying, Jesus, your words are objectionable. Jesus, your words are offensive. We don't want this stuff. We don't want to believe this stuff. Can I share something with you? I really think that's a problem in the church in the U.S. today. Preachers don't want to say anything that's hard or offensive today because they don't want people to turn away from them or to turn away from their churches. Say amen. They don't want people to leave their church so they don't say anything offensive. Um, You guys know me. I don't, uh, I don't go out of my way to be offensive. I don't go out of my way to, um, you know, say things that are controversial and try to offend people and that, and that kind of thing. I don't do that. But I also believe that if God's word says something, then God's word says it. I didn't say it. God said it. So I'm going to say it. Did y'all get that? Amen. Is that all right? And sometimes God's word will offend you. You will be offended. God's word is higher than us. David prayed, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. God's word is higher than us. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Who can know he's higher than us? So naturally, things that he says are going to offend us, but we cannot Just because there are things in scriptures that may be offensive to us, we cannot change the message of the scriptures. Because if you change the message of the scriptures, you are watering down the gospel. Am I right about it? And if you water down the gospel, then that's an anemic gospel. And an anemic gospel has no power. I'll wait while two people clap your hands. Lord, Lord, pray for me. And churches, you know, nowadays people don't want to offend. So we have seeker churches. Y'all heard of seeker churches? Raise your hand if you heard of a seeker church. Okay, that's some of you, but most of you do not know what a seeker church is. There are churches out there, and it's probably a good thing that you don't know, but I'm going to tell you right now so you can avoid them. There are churches out there called seeker churches, and these churches, they call themselves seeker sensitive. And in other words, they have designed their services around the non-believer so, or the seeker so that they don't offend the seeker, that they don't offend the non-believer. So they take words out like sin. They don't talk about sin because sin is offensive. We don't talk about repent because repentance and repenting is offensive. They don't talk about the blood because the blood is yucky stuff. And who wants to talk about yucky stuff? It's offensive. And so you take anything that's going to offend the the non-believer, you take that out of your message, you take that out of your sermon, you take any songs that has the blood in it, um, um, you know, they, 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 they even, a lot of seeker churches take secular songs. 
and, and play them in church and only change the lyrics here, there, and there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Change the lyrics a little bit so that it feels nice and hip and cool. I remember one time I went to a seeker church. One time I went to a seeker church, and they were playing. I'll never forget it. They're playing Bonnie Raitt. Let's give them something to talk about. I'm listening to this song, and I'm going, I'm going, do I know that song? I said, Elvira, that's, that's, that's tight. I go, let's give him something to talk about. I went, that's Bonnie Raitt. What is the world of the world? They took a secular song and it give him something to talk about was, let's talk about Jesus. I'm like, that's corny. Come on, man. On some other song. I forget the name of this song. The church, first of all, when you look at the history of the church, the church was never designed to be a place where the non believer should come and feel comfortable. On the contrary, on the contrary, the church should be the place where the non believer comes and feels uncomfortable because it's in that place of feeling uncomfortable that's going to cause you to say something's going on in here that's different than what I'm used to. Hmm, I feel uncomfortable. And then the Holy Spirit's going to start ministering to you and touching your heart and the word of God's going to go forth and worship and people are going to be singing and and God's going to use his spirit to draw you to the place where you give your life to Christ where you will find Comfort. So the church is supposed to be uncomfortable. Not only that, but if you look at the history of the early church, in the history of the early church, non-believers didn't go to church because they met in ta- ca- I'm going to say taverns. I'm going to say Pray for me, y'all. Third service. Goodness gracious. Some of y'all ain't praying. That's why I'm messing up. It's your fault. <laughs> they met in caverns. And in tombs and graves and things of that nature and places like that. So non-believers didn't come to these places. So the church should never be a place where we uh, set up our services for the non-believer. Church is historically and still today, it is the church of the living God. (laughs) Nobody can change that. Nobody has a right to change that. It is the church of God. It's the house of God. Didn't Jesus go into the temple and drive out the money changers and said, don't make my father's house a den of thieves? It's God's house. And you and you and you and you and you and me and no one has a right to change the definition of God's house. And when you create these services for non-believers, all you're doing is giving them a place to remain in their sin. And they'll never, ever come to Christ because they'll never be in an environment where their spirit is pricked. Pray for me. Where their heart is touched and they're drawn by the Holy Spirit. Unless the Father draws you, you cannot be saved if we don't have environments 
that allow that to happen. And so you have these seeker churches and, 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 and they take out things that, 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 that are different than the world. Everything about Christianity is different than seeker churches. I think about the teachings of Jesus and what, and, and what the world teaches, totally opposite. The world says, deify yourself. Jesus says, deny yourself. The world says, esteem yourself. The Lord says, examine yourself. The world says, fulfill yourself. The Lord says, refuse yourself. The world says, find yourself. The Lord says, lose yourself. The world says, love yourself. Believe in yourself. Hug yourself. Kiss yourself. You're too sexy for yourself. The world and the church is all about self. And when the preacher starts preaching about things that don't deify self, it's hard to hear because people love self. People love to hear sermons about good stuff, don't they? Pastor, why don't you preach more about love and faith and happiness and grace and butterflies? hope and healing in heaven. Pastor, why don't you preach more about that? And when the pastor starts preaching about hell or the pastor starts talking about false doctrine or the pastor starts talking about people's favorite false teacher, because folks have their favorite false teacher. Y'all remember that study I did in Jude? Were y'all around there? Oh, my God. Ay, ay, ay. I'll never do it again. I'm serious, but, but I'm not, not that I'm afraid to. I just don't need the headache. I'm, I'm, I'm getting too over this. You know, I'm just like, get the CD. I got plenty of this. Ay, ay, ay. Oy vey. That's ay, ay, ay in Hebrew. And I was talking, you know, and I named names. And because we were talking about false teachers and Judas talking about false teachers and so on and so forth. And I named names and people got upset people, uh, uh, how dare you sending me emails? And uh, I'm like, whoa, calm down. You're defending these people like you know them, like they paying you. Amen. I told you I'll pray for me. We're going to be here for a minute. It's third service, all right? Hope you bought your lunch. And they're defending people and all this and going crazy and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Listen, if they're preaching false doctrine, then someone needs to say something. Somebody needs to say something. Paul the Apostle said to the church in Ephesus, he, he left those elders, he called them over to the island of Miletus, and he said, come over here, I want to talk to you. And he said, I'm going to tell you that there are going to be wolves and, 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 and people that are going to rise up from among you, not sparing the flock of God. These false teachers, according to Paul, are in the church. They're, they're in the church. They're in here right now. Where you at? Stand up. Where you at? Stand up. They're in the church. They rise up from among you, he said, not sparing the flock. We can't water down the gospel. We got to be careful to teach the scriptures, to be faithful to what God has said. When Jesus talks about the blood, we talk about the blood. 
you know, worship leaders in some churches are instructed not to sing about too much about the cross because there's a bummer uh, if you sing about the cross and don't sing about blood because it will offend people. C.A. Spurgeon said this about that. He said, there are some preachers who cannot or do not preach about the blood of Jesus Christ and have, and I have one thing to say to you concerning them. Never go to hear them. A ministry that does not have the blood in it is lifeless. And now, isn't that the truth? It's lifeless. It's lifeless. And Paul would say amen to that. As a matter of fact, Paul said it first. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. It's the power of God. Without the cross, there is no Christianity. And without the bread of life that came down from heaven, there is no life. And when Jesus starts talking about that, they said, this is hard. Look at verse 61. Jesus said, does this offend you? Got a pen? That word offend is the Greek word scandalizo. We have the word scandalize. Trap, stumble, snare. In other words, Does my words trap you, Jesus says? Has my message destroyed your belief and your interest in me? Jesus is saying, have I killed your hope by my sermon? Is it too hard to swallow? Impossible to believe? Jesus is saying, when I did miracles, you could handle that. But do my words kill your attraction? And then notice they never reply. Notice that. They never reply. Point number two, words of the Spirit in verse 62 through 65. Verse 62 is profound and awesome. Jesus says, does my sermon kill your hope? And they don't reply. And Jesus says, what if you see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Now, in this one verse, Jesus answers, if you've been with us in chapter 6, you know, Jesus answers two of their objections. One of their objections was the fact that he said that he came down from heaven. And they said, you couldn't have come from heaven. We know your mom and your dad. We know Joseph and Mary. The second objection they had when Jesus said, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. They thought he was talking about cannibalism. Jesus wasn't talking about cannibalism. We talked about that not last week, but the week before. He was talking about fellowship. He's talking about unity and fellowship. Look at verse 62. Jesus said, what if you shall see the Son of Man ascend where he was? Jesus says, you don't believe I came from heaven. If you see me go back there, would that be an indication that I came from there? And the second thing, you think I'm talking about cannibalism? Well, if I go back to heaven with all my limbs, that means nobody ate me up. I'm going back to heaven the same way I came to earth with all my body parts. Verse 62, Jesus doesn't only predict his ascension, but he uses it to answer the problem of their unbelief. Look at verse 63. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits what, saints? The flesh profits what, saints? The flesh profits what, saints? Nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. Now, in the Greek language, there are three words for life. Write this down. First of all, we have the word bios. Bias, B-I-A-S, bias. We have the word biology, biosphere. Secondly, suko in the Greek language, S-U-K-A. We have the word psychology, 
or psychotic. That refers to the inner life or your thought life. And then we have the word zoe or zoe. Some people pronounce it. This word takes your focus off the earth and sends it heavenward. This word speaks of a quality of life that lasts forever, eternal life. That's the word that Jesus is using here. The Spirit of God brings life. It's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits what, saints? Nothing. Jesus says, I'm not talking about eating my body literally. I haven't come to be eaten alive. I've come that you might partake of my Spirit. It's my Spirit that is life-giving. Now, when Jesus talks about his spirit, he's not all of a sudden talking about the Holy Spirit. He's not all of a sudden teaching about the new birth. When Jesus talks about his spirit, he means all of his person and being. He's saying, it's not my body that I'm concerned with. It's the real me that I want you to have. Jesus is saying, it's not my physical body. Are you listening? It's not my physical body that needs to be in you. It's my spirit. So Jesus is trying to get the message to them and us. I don't want you to take my body. I want you to take me. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.